Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. I want to read a short verse. It's found in the book of 1 John, chapter number 4, verse number 17. So on the screen, uh, it says this. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face Him being God with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Because we live like Jesus here in this world. You know, there's an assignment from God over your life, not just for you to follow Jesus, but for you to become like Jesus. And the call of the Christian isn't just to get to heaven one day, It's to become like Christ this side of eternity. And so this morning, I want to speak on the topic, do you look like Christ? Because no matter where you're at today, you could be following Jesus for 20 years. You could be new to faith. No matter how you feel like you've come into church today, God's desire is for you and for me that we would look like Him. That we wouldn't just confess Him with our mouth or with our lips, but we would demonstrate Him with our lives. And so right now, if you're comfortable, would you just lift your hands all across this place as an outward sign of surrender online too. Why don't you lift your hands to the Lord wherever you are. We're going to invite the presence of God to come and we're going to see the Lord do amazing things. God, we just honour You today. We love You. We welcome You, Holy Spirit. We give You the permission. You are the vine dresser. Lord God, we're just a branch connected to Jesus. So Lord, we ask, would You come with Your scissors? Would You prune us today? Would You cut off attitudes and mindsets that have been damaging to us and to others. Lord God, I just thank You for the gardening hand of God to be at work, Lord God, in the hearts of men and women. God, I pray that You would come by Your Spirit. Would You convict? By Your Spirit, would You speak? Would You move? Would Your kingdom come? Would Your will be done in us today, Lord, in our hearts and in our lives? We open up our heart. We surrender. We say yes to You, Lord. God, I pray that our lives will be transformed and changed, not because of what I say, but we'd be transformed and changed because of what you do and what you say. We haven't come for a sermon or a ticker box. We've come to encounter you today, Lord. We just honour you and we love you, Jesus. We thank you for all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, come on, would you just give God a clap of praise right now? Amen. 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 We love you, God. You're so good. Or you can take your seat. Thank you so much. Do you look like Christ? You know, who here knows that looking like Christ is a pretty intimidating standard? Like Jesus is a pretty like, he's an up there type of example. You know what I mean? Like some would almost say he's perfect. And in fact, he is, the Bible tells us. And so how many of us, when we hear, you know, do you look like Christ? We, we are immediately confronted with every area in our life that we don't look like Christ. We're immediately reminded of everything we've done recently that wasn't Christ-like. But this message today, it's not a condemnation. It's not a slap in the face being like, be better, you're a bad person. No, this is an encouragement that we are actually called to look like someone and that following Jesus actually has an effect on our lives. And did you know that the word Christian, everyone say Christian. The word Christian actually means little Christ or one that looks like Christ. 
The Bible says this in, in the book of Acts in chapter 11, verse number 25. It says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching a large crowds of people. And it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Before this happened, they were just called people of the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So they were the people of the way. But at Antioch, the name changed to Christians. And today, if you're a follower of Christ, you would call yourself a Christian. But the reason they were called Christians is because they, their speech and their behavior were so much like Christ and imitating Christ that those around them gave them the name Little Christ or Christians. And so for us today, a part of our fellowship of Jesus is for us to look like Christ. Jesus didn't die for us to get to heaven. That's part of the picture. But He died for heaven to come into us and for us to become like Him this side of eternity. Amen. The Bible also says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 18, that we all behold the glory of the Lord with um, His face revealed and are changing into His likeness from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. That God's desire for you, God's desire for me, for every one of us is that bit by bit, layer by layer, glory to glory, we would become and we would look more and more and more like Christ. And so... Why am I talking about, do you look like Christ? Well, I believe this, that when it comes to serving, serving is one of the ways that we are called to look like Christ. You know, just recently, um, my wife and I, we got married last year. We're coming up to our one-year anniversary this October 19th in 10 days. Praise God. I'm ready, ready for it. And, uh, you know... So far, so good. And um, we're coming up to our one-year anniversary. But recently, we've just bought a house, which has been super exciting. And so, uh, we, you know, a bit of a cool testimony. We, we found a property that we really liked. It was on the market for a little while, and uh, which was strange because properties have kind of been going, selling left, right, center. But it kind of stayed. And so, we, we checked out the property. And, you know, it was good. So, we, we put in an offer of what we thought we, we were comfortable for. And, uh, you know, that they came back to us with a counter offer. Who has bought a house before you? You know, the, the offers, the counters, it's quite a long, arduous process. And so they came back and said, hey, we're not willing to go lower than this amount. And so we really felt in our hearts, okay, you know what, let's just leave it. We, we, we prayed about it. We committed it to God. And we felt to just kind of walk away. Anyway, our, our church conference came up. Who, who here was at Nations Conference this year? Man, wasn't that an amazing conference? That was such a powerful time in, in the life of our church. And uh, we, Sydney and I, we said to each other, you know, let's decide after conference whether we go back and put in another offer or if we just move on because our, our rent was coming up due. There was a couple other things in our life that just made it a bit time pressing. And so conference happened and we got to the end of conference. And in that time, the, the the, the people that were selling the house, they changed their advert during the two days of conference to the, it, it went from, you know, prices of this much to must sell this week any offer available. And we're like, okay, any offer available, that sounds good. And I'd actually had a dream. And um, in the dream, we purchased a house for a price that was lower than we first offered. And so I really prayed about it and I felt God kind of encouraged us. Why don't you offer this? So we went back to them and we offered less than we had at the original time. And they responded to us and they accepted the offer. And so now we are like, 
crazy. And it's not about money. I, I, we, don't, we don't get weird about possessions and stuff. But how many of you know God looks after his kids, amen? And that if you're following Jesus, sometimes a closed door is actually a greater open door later, amen? And so we own a house now. It's amazing. I'm the proud owner of a property with my wife, and it's awesome. But there's some things about house ownership that nobody really told me about. You know, I don't know about you, but when, when you go from living at home to living on your own, the house gets more and more messy the more you live in it. Where when I lived at my house before with my parents, I don't know what it was. I would like leave things around the house. I would leave mess on the side, you know, dirt on the floor. I'd come back the next day and it was magically gone. I was like, this is, a, this is an anointed floorboard right here. I couldn't quite comprehend whatever, but all of a sudden, I get to my own house, and you wouldn't believe it, the cup from three days ago that has a little bit of milk in it is exactly in the exact same spot on the same tabletop as it was. I was like, where did the anointing for cleaning go? And I've realized that part of owning a house is actually the responsibility of maintaining a house. It's actually the responsibility of cleaning a house. Now, I want to be transparent, and, you know, my wife can vouch for me. I'm a little bit of like a clean freak. Any clean freaks out there, come on, you're my people. And it, 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 sometimes it's a, bit, it's a bit much because, you know, Sydney will leave her bag on the floor, and I'll be like, what is that doing there? <laughs> you know, who here is with me, you know? Like, who's the no clutter people? Let's go. Clutter, what is, why do you have Tupperware containers on the side? Put them in the pantry. Come on, somebody. And so, you know, I, I, we, we run a really tight ship at the Hennigan household, I'll tell you that much. But i tell you this, that if I was to own a house, there's lots of good things about owning a house. You know, we now, now that it's a little bit bigger than the apartment we we're staying in, we've got the freedom to actually invite people over. I'm, I know this sounds funny, but this is one of my favorite things about the house we live in now, is the living area is large enough for a table and for a couch. Before, the table had to be tucked in the corner, and so when people come over, we'd have to pull it out, and when they go away, we'd put it away. Now, the table just stays there. It's, it's unreal, and so we can host people better, we, we can have people over, we can cook more, we've got an extra bedroom so we can have people stay with. There's many good things about the house, you know, it's got air conditioning, praise God, it's got heating as well as like the cold one, which is really good, and um, you know, I'm learning all of these facets of houses, it's really exciting, but it would be ridiculous of me to want all the blessings of owning a house while neglecting the responsibility of maintaining the house. It, it, would be, it would be irresponsible of me to just want the joy of housing people over, of having dinners and parties and, you know, having a place to stay and to, you know, renovate ourselves, but not wanting the responsibility of cleaning a house. The reality is, as much as I don't like cleaning, it's actually just a simple part of home ownership. And it would be rude, if not irresponsible of me, to want all the benefits without the consequence and cost of actually cleaning. But so often, and how often when it comes to our relationship with Christ, do we want all the good parts of it? But just like me, there, there are some parts of maintaining a walk with the Lord that are a bit less glorious that are a bit more just kind of frustrating, a bit more difficult. And you know, when I'm talking about do you look like Christ, there are many things that Christ has done and there are many ways that He is and there are many areas we have in our lives to look like Christ. 
I want to go through some of those areas today. You know, the Bible gives great descriptions of what Jesus was like and what he looked like. And I believe they're not just, you know, that's just God. And yes, Jesus is God. He is 100% man, 100% God. But it's actually an example for us to follow. The Bible says this in 1 John 3 verse 8. When people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. One of the the parts of Jesus is destroying the works of the devil. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like something that I want to do. I want to see the works of the devil destroyed in people's lives. Come on. I want to see people where the work of the devil has ruined their mental health and they're struggling with bad anxiety. I want to see that work destroyed in their life. Amen. Where there's there's insecurity, where there's sickness. These are the works of the devil. The Son of God came to destroy those works. And so a part of following Jesus is that we too get to destroy destroy the works of the devil. It also says this in Psalm 45 verse 7, that talking about the Messiah, that you love righteousness and hate wickedness. Everyone say, hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. A part of following Jesus is that we choose to live a holy lifestyle. The Bible says that we don't tolerate wickedness, that we are to hate wickedness, that we are to love righteousness. And a part of following Jesus is for us to want to be holy, to want to please Him, to want to turn away from sin, to not go, oh, no, I wish I could, but no, say, man, God, help me to hate what you hate and help me to love what you love. Why? Because that's a part of looking like Jesus. The Bible says, this in Acts 10 verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus didn't just do good things. He moved in the power of God. He wasn't just kind to people. He healed all that were oppressed by the devil. And so a part of following Jesus is that there's an invitation for you and for me to actually move in the power of God too. That we wouldn't just rely on our own ability. We would rely on the ability of the Holy Spirit that when someone's sick, we would be able to pray with them and see them healed. When someone's in need of a supernatural miracle, we can pray and believe for God for a miracle because we know a supernatural God. Jesus moved in the power of God. It also says this in Luke 19 verse 10, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Seeing lost people saved is a way that we look like Jesus. Jesus came to this earth to see people that are on their way to destruction, people bound by sin, people bound by the enemy, set free and saved and on their way to heaven, but living with purpose this side of eternity. And you and I too, if we're called to look like Christ, we are called to reach out to people in our world. We are called to see people in our workplace come to know God. We are called to see our neighbours come to know God. We are called to be the light of the world, a city on a hill. We too are called to see lost people saved. But then we jump into Mark 10 verse 45, which talks about an attribute of Jesus that So often we can neglect or we can forget, just like me with my cleaning responsibility. It says this in Mark 10 verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give His life as a ransom for others. Jesus came to this earth not for what people could do for him, but for what he could do for others. And he didn't just come to die for people on a cross. He came to serve people with his life as well. And so for you and I, if we are serious about following Jesus, if we are serious about owning our faith, 
a part of that journey of looking like Christ is for us to be equally serious about serving other people. That serving others isn't an optional extra for those with more time or for those with less skills or less ability. Serving others is a part of the mandate of Christians when it comes to following Jesus. That if it's good enough for the Messiah, then it's good enough for us too. And that's why at Nations Church, we have a cultural statement, which we'll put on the screen. It says this, we are about serving Jesus and his church. We lead and serve selflessly, give generously and desire excellence. The reason we have this culture statement is not for us to fill our rosters or to get stuff done around the house. The reason we are about serving others because we're serious about looking like Jesus It's not about ticking a box or signing up to a team. It's about becoming more like Christ. And a part of our Christian discipleship is for us to look like Jesus. We are called to look like Christ. You are called to look like Christ. Therefore, we are called to serve other people. And you are called to serve other people. I am called to serve other people. We are all called to serve. Why? Because we're called to be like Jesus. You know, I don't know if you were here last week or not, but who here was here last week for Pastor Ken's sermon? Wasn't that amazing? Pastor Ken preached an amazing sermon about serving. He talked about shepherds and priests and servants and how it's an identity thing. And, you know, maybe you were here last week or maybe you're even just here this morning. You've been on holiday. I don't know what's going on in your world. But you're like, yeah, cool. That's, that's me, Matt. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm about serving others. Well, We can sometimes accept that we're called to serve others because that's part of following Christ. But we run into a second problem. And that's this. We can accept we're called to look like Christ by serving, but we can sometimes place restriction on what that looks like. We like to say things like, ah, that's not really my grace. That's not really my calling. That's not really my my gift set. And can I be honest with you? I understand that and I appreciate that. There, there are things that you are called to do that you can do better than the person next to you. And there's things the person next to you is called to do that they're going to do a heck of a lot better than you. Why? Because we're all called. We've all got different gifts. We've all got different graces. But sometimes we can put restriction on what serving Jesus looks like because we can honor our preference over our desire to look like God. And when it comes to serving Jesus, I pray and I hope that you get the satisfaction and fulfillment of operating in your destiny and your calling. But can I tell you, even when you're operating in your destiny and your calling, there are parts of following and serving Jesus that are just uncomfortable and nobody wants to do. Peter followed Jesus Christ and the Bible, not the Bible, but history records that he was crucified upside down. Now, I want to submit to you, he did not have the gift of dying upside down on his life. That was not a great, he wasn't on the upside down team every Sunday getting ready for that day. No, but that was just a part of what following and serving Jesus looked like in that season. See, you can be called to do mighty things for God, but a part of serving other people is actually accepting there are times and seasons and things in your life that at the end of the day, your flesh is just not going to want to do. My flesh just does not want to do that. And we not only hear about this through Jesus saying he came to serve, we see it demonstrated in his life. See, the Bible records, in my opinion, no better place in Scripture better illustrates the servanthood of Christ than right here in John chapter 13. Jesus said that he lays down his life voluntarily. And this is it revealed right here. And John chapter 13 is the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. 
Who has heard this story before? Jesus washing his disciples' feet. You know, a lot of us, if we've grown up in Sunday school, we might have heard about it. But what's confronting about this story is, you know, Jesus, his mission was to save people from their sin. And so a part of that was him dying on the cross. But if you think about it, there was no requirement for Jesus to have to wash his disciples' feet. This was an optional extra for the King of Kings. He, he, he actually didn't need to. It wasn't part of the mandate. But we, we jump into John 13. It says this in verse number one, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Verse number two, it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray, to betray Jesus. Number three should be on the screen just now. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus, I love Simon Peter. Hey, he's a bit of like a bit of a pendulum swinger. Like, you'll never wash my feet. Shower me. You know what I mean? It's just like, he's, he's all in. I love it. The wash my hands and feet as well, Lord, not just my feet. Sorry, my hands and head. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. And that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Now, a bit of context to this passage of scripture. This is right before the Passover where Jesus was about to be handed over to the authorities and crucified to die. This is kind of like the the, the last hurrah with Jesus and his disciples gathered together right before it came time for his death by Roman crucifixion at the cross. Now, I don't know about you, but you you notice what's important to people when they know that their their time is short. Have you ever seen uh, people and it's kind of like, you know, that it's their last day at their job or maybe year 12 and it's their last day in high school. All of a sudden, everything is super sentimental. You know, it's like, this is the last time I'm going to have to wear this uniform, you know. They're sitting at lunchtime. This is the last tuna sandwich I'm ever going to eat. At recess, they get to lunch. This is the second last tuna sandwich I'm going to eat today. You know, it's like everything's just like super sentimental over the top. They're, They're counting their steps. Why? Because they understand that it's the end of something. And so what they do is really important. And that's what we're dialing into. It's almost like... Give me a wave if you've ever been to a youth camp in your life before. Maybe you attended one as a teenager. Yeah, awesome. I love summer camps. I love youth camps. But imagine with me, this is the final night of youth camp for Jesus and his disciples. And if you don't know what youth camp is like, I'll tell you, the, the final night generally goes something along the lines of let's, let's get the pastors on stage to pray for them. Let's get the students thinking about their schools. Let's get people praying for other. Let, let's start focusing on other people. Let, let's do a big prayer. Hoorah. And let's get people ready to go. And so this is like summer camp final session for Jesus and his disciples. And if I was Jesus, I would have done exactly that. I would have been like, okay, James, he, he's going to be the, 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 the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He's the main pastor guy. Let's get James 
James for? Come on, why don't we stretch our hands towards James right now? You know, they'd be praying for James. I would get Simon up and, you know, maybe the disciples that are gone, I'd give them prophetic words accurately. we pray for a move of God. It would be like, come on, let's go. Let's, you know, it would be a big giant. We'd all be yelling in tongues, even though that hadn't happened yet. They'd be like, what's going on? You know, and it would be crazy. But Jesus shows us what's important to him by prioritizing something different on the final night. Jesus could have done anything in this time. Think about this. We read the scripture before. It says this in Hebrews 1 verse 9, that Jesus has loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you above your companions with the oil of joy. The Bible says that God the Father gives the Son the Spirit without limit. So Jesus was the most anointed person in all the world to ever exist. He had more of the Holy Spirit than anyone else. He could have done anything He wanted to. He could have given them prophetic words. He could have moved in power. He could have, uh, you know, called them out. But instead, He decides to do something different. And Jesus in that moment gets up from the table, goes over to a wash basin, puts a towel around his waist, stoops down, and one by one begins to wash each one of his disciples' feet. Bartholomew, Peter, Andrew, even Judas, he washed his feet. See, what is the Messiah trying to show us? The Messiah, I believe, is trying to show us this, that you know, even when we are anointed, to do powerful things for God, we're still required to serve in the menial things. And you might be here today, and I believe there is a call upon your life to do things that are great. But sometimes we can have a rating system in our mind that some things are better than others. And it's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, being used by God to preach, that's what it's all about. But serving coffees, what is, no, anyone can do that. Sweeping the floor, Taking a meal over to my neighbors when they're going through a hard time. That I don't need the power of God. for that. That's not cool. We can sometimes have a rating system in our minds. And I believe over your life, no matter what age or stage you're at, you are called to do mighty things for God. But I want to challenge you today. Just because you are called to do mighty things for God, don't let that stop you doing mundane things for God. That Jesus on His final night showed His disciples what was valuable to Him by actually stooping down. And washing his disciples' feet. Now we read this today and we don't fully understand maybe the, the significance of washing feet. But in that time, you know, they didn't really have closed shoes. Everything was open toe. Who here has ever worn Birkenstocks for a couple of days? You know what I'm talking about. Things get messy down there. This is like all the disciples were living in that experience. And so Jesus, there, there, there was a reason why Simon Peter was like, no, you can't wash my feet. I, I think he had some pretty stinky feet in that situation. But Jesus says, no, you got to let me wash you. Why? Because there are some things that society in that time deemed only appropriate for slaves. Society deemed only appropriate for servants. That they were less than things. But Jesus, the Lord and the Messiah, demonstrates to us that as followers of Him, there is nothing that is beneath us. There is nothing that's below us. If we're doing it for Him, it's all worship. Amen. We can be called to do great things, but there are some things we are called to do that might just be gross. They might be uncomfortable. They might be disgusting. They might be the thing that no one else wants to do. It might not be about having a gifting. It might not be about having anointing, but it's just a part of what it means to follow our Lord sometimes. And then we read on the story. It says this in John 13 verse 12. After washing their feet, 
He put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus wasn't speaking just about physically washing other people's feet. He was speaking metaphorically. That if him, the Lord and the Messiah, deemed it good enough for him to wash other people's feet, then for us too, we are called also to have places and spaces that might not be glamorous or glorious, but we too are called to serve Jesus by washing other people's feet. I want to challenge you today. When was the last time you washed someone else's feet? What I mean by that is when was the last time you did something that you didn't naturally want to do or maybe was uncomfortable, but you did it for the sake of serving Jesus and others? Because we might not all clean someone else's feet, but can I tell you there are things for you and there are things for me that we are called to actually serve Jesus, not by just doing the best of the best, but we are called to serve Him by sometimes doing the worst of the worst. Sometimes it might look like getting to pray for your co-worker and invite them to church and them get saved, but sometimes it might just look like wiping tables in the cafe. Sometimes it might look like praying and seeing a move of God in your family, but then other times it literally might be vacuuming the, 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 the house for your wife or maybe making meals for someone or praying for someone or serving up and signing up to a serving team. Maybe it's outside of your comfort or your grace zone. There are some times that God's going to do mighty things, but there are times that God wants to do mundane things. And for us, a part of following Jesus is being willing to do both. That we wouldn't just say, yeah, I want to serve others and look like Christ, but we would say, Jesus, I want to look like you by willing to do, by, by being willing to do whatever you want me to do. The Bible says in Mark 10 verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. I want to invite the worship team to come join me. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for the many. Could you imagine if we went into our worlds with the same attitude Jesus had when he came into our world? Could you imagine if you went into your workplace with the same attitude Jesus had when he came into our world? Could you imagine with me if we came to the house of God, not just for our own sake or because we want to, you know, we're going through a hard time. Could you imagine if we came to church the way Jesus came to the world? Imagine the difference our world would be if we changed the way we approached because we wanted to look like Christ. You know, we had our leaders retreat uh, for our nation's youth leaders from all campuses literally the last few days. We had a guest minister, Pastor Ellie Cawthorn from Urban Church, and she said something that was so profound and, and so challenging. Uh, she was talking about how sometimes we can come to services or church things and we can say things like, I didn't get anything out of that. How many of you ever heard that saying before? You know, I, haven't, I didn't get anything out of that. But she shared something that convicted me so much that when we say we got nothing out of that, it shows that we don't understand the kingdom. Because the world says 
what's in this for me? But the kingdom of God says, what's in me for the world? Could you imagine if you came into your world the the way Jesus came into your world? Could you imagine the people's lives that would be impacted, the people's lives that would be changed? And I get it. I get it. Sometimes, you know, we just need a break. That's fine. I'm, this is not a, a, a forceful push to make you sign up to a serving team. It's not about that. It's not about filling rosters. It's not about, you know, trying to get things happening around the house. It's not like we're in a volunteer deficit. So let's do a couple week preaching to this. No, it's about you and it's about me becoming more and more like Jesus. And that might mean moving in power. That might mean giving selflessly financially, but also at times, it means serving others even to the point of washing someone else's feet and if I'm honest with you I there are parts of serving man I just hate <laughs> I serve in our youth ministry on a Friday night and I love it I love seeing young people get touched by the power of God I love seeing someone come in that doesn't know the Lord give their life to Jesus. I love seeing the community of the young adults. I love seeing a, a young adult come in and, you know, they get activated in the call of God in their life. They have God speak to them. They get transformed. So much amazing things happen. I love the hangouts after the community. If you're a young adult, I want to encourage you, come be a part of Nations Youth. It will bless your life and you'll see God move mightily. And I love it because God is moving. But can I tell you, at 5 p.m. every week, I'm down here and that row, I'm pushing over there with someone else. And if I'm honest, I hate it because I hate manual labour. Amen. If I ever get fired from church and you own a construction company, do not hire me. I'm telling you right now, it will not bless your business. I don't, I don't like it. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's difficult. I, don't, I, I know I look physically huge, but I'm not that strong. And so... I, I just don't enjoy it. It's, it's hard. You know, I've got to move this room, and then I've got to vacuum the floor and then I've got to set up the stuff. And it's tedious, you know, it's tiring. It's, it's like, I've got to clean my house and I've got to clean this house. It's just, you know, thing after thing after thing. But if I'm honest with you, as much as I hate it, I want to always be willing to do it. Because I don't want to be a youth pastor or a, a Christian that can preach great words from a platform but doesn't look like Jesus in the foyer. I don't want to be that type of person. I, for the rest of my life, I want to look like Christ. And if that means pushing chairs, I'm going to push chairs. If that means cleaning a toilet, I want to be willing to clean a toilet. If that means making food for others, I want to be willing to make. If that means jumping into kids' church, I want to be willing to do that. Why? Because it's not about me being called to kids' ministry and me being called to pushing chairs. It's about me being willing to do whatever it looks like because I want to follow Jesus. And so my question of when was the last time you washed someone else's feet, maybe a better question to ask is this, who do you look like right now? And if I'm honest, we probably, if you're following Jesus, you're going to have parts of you that already look like Christ. You know, you might be really kind and one of the most compassionate people. You might have incredible wisdom and you just know what to say. You might be blessed financially and you're, you're giving really large sums of money to mission works and to church and seeing the kingdom expand. But when it comes to washing feet, when it comes to serving others, does it look more like Christ or does it look more like your preference? Thanks for listening to the Nations Church Podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.